I'm going to start here as soon as our screen's ready. Uh, I don't know if you got uh, a paper. There are papers. Um, I'm going to write the hand so out. If she forgot you, it means she doesn't like you. <laughs> just kidding. Um, if you didn't get one, there's some up here. Um, so let us know, or we'll send some back with one. Um, Excellent. So, I was going to do this last week, but I died, and I'm back from the dead. So, um, a couple of weeks ago, we started uh, a series on the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, calling it Be Happy from the meaning of the word blessed, which is the word that begins every Beatitude. Uh, the Beatitudes, they start off the, kind of kick off the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching his disciples, and as far as I can tell from reading the Sermon on the Mount, he's challenging some of their thinkings about living with en uh, loving enemies, about anger, uh, about the Messiah. And he says things like, you've heard it said like this, but I say this a few times. And he, he begins all of this by listing off eight or nine, um, and some people pair the last two up, um, people in different scenarios saying that they are Blessed, and we call them the Beatitudes, which means supreme blessedness or a state of great joy. So the belief in that day, and very much still today, is that the more stuff you have, the more blessed you are. But yet every person Jesus lists off as blessed is not someone we would often consider to be blessed. So just in case you forget what the word blessed means, comes from the Greek Makarios, um, which means blessed or happy, or to be envied. So, who is blessed so far that he's talked about so far? Just to recap, we've talked about those that are poor in spirit. They're blessed. Um, which kind of goes against the thinking of the day, even today, as well, because one of the main arguments people have against God is if God is good, why do bad things happen? If God is good, why is there pain? If, if God... Is real? Why does cancer exist? And we think that because God is good, these bad things can't be as well. Um, and it's the same kind of thinking that people had in that day. And Jesus is saying, you know, the poor, which is not something that we would normally think was is a good thing. And he's putting it together. So um, we can assume that God's entire purpose is to make our lives easier as if he serves us, but that's not how it works. And so Jesus is teaching that this looks differently than you might have thought. Things are, are different. So he says the poor in spirit, these are people we wouldn't look, oh, look at those guys. Bless, those guys are blessed. He says the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he hits them with this guy that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be Comforted, and we've covered that. And so the next one we come to is blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So the first, um, the first three can kind of be grouped together uh, if you want to do that. We have the poor in spirit, we have mourners, and we have the meek. These are all people, a group, groups of people who are naturally down. Um, people we would look on with pity. You know, oh, they're poor. Um, they're you know, look at someone jealous at a funeral. You know, they're mourning, so you have pity on them. Um, 
and the meek, you know, kind of overlook them. These are often people we may even overlook, but yet Jesus calls every one of these, the poor in spirit, the, the mourning, and the meek, he calls them blessed in spite of our natural view towards them. The poor in spirit, he said, they have the kingdom of heaven. They that mourn, they have comfort. And the meek, they shall inherit the earth. And again, none of this kind of makes sense on the surface, but the kingdom of God is much different um, than it appears on the surface. And so instead, um, studying of the meek, I ended up with way too much information and too many different directions to go in. And so I tried to narrow it down a bit, so it may seem like we're all over the place, but there's a lot of things to uncover. Um, I'm just going to try to touch on some different ideas and maybe help change the way we see meekness. Um, but first off, what we've been doing the whole time, we've been looking at the word in the original language um, and seeing what it means. So the word meek comes from the Greek word praeus, which just means mild and gentle, or meekness. Mild and gentle. For some reason, these are qualities that we see as positive. You know, we're told in our society we need to be aggressive, we need to be in your face, you need to take it. If you want something, you gotta go and take it. Right? We're told to, we're led to believe that the louder someone preaches, the more they scream, the more anointed they are. We're told that Leaders have to be hard and tough and bold and brash and in your face, and that's just how it is. And, but yet when God calls people, he doesn't look for that. I mean, he'll call someone like that, Peter was, but the rest of the disciples generally weren't. Um, in fact, if you look at this, Lumbers chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Moses, the man that God chose to do one of the most difficult things in the history of Israel, the man that God chose to confront Pharaoh and lead these people and establish a nation and enforce or put a law in place and enforce the law. Moses, who led Israel for 40 years to the wilderness and put up with all kinds of foolishness. Moses, whose face shone after spending time in God's presence. Moses, who was used mightily by God and even referred to as a friend of God, the Bible says he was meek, he was mild, he was gentle above everyone else. No one was more meek than he was, it says, and he was more mild and more gentle than the rest of the world. You see, the world thinks power and authority come from being bold or aggressive and forcing it. And to an extent, it does work that way sometimes in the physical, in our society, because that's how we're led to believe it should be. But in the kingdom of God, it's never the same as the rest of the, the world. And I've been in church meetings and sometimes business meetings, sometimes board meetings, and sometimes preachers and meetings. Different sorts of meetings where everyone present is saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and anointed and all of that. And someone will just go in, guns blazing over aggressive, borderline bullying their way through to get whatever it is that they want to get. Trying to have their way. And it almost never lines up with the will of God and it almost always lines up with the will of them. And for some reason we think that if we just say it angry and aggressive enough, if we just use the right tone or say it with authority, then it's going to come to pass or, you know, then we'll get our way. If we could just intimidate everyone else into doing whatever it is that we want, then we're a leader. We can get it our way. And just so every time in these moments I've seen a true leader stands up. 
a calm, gentle, rational leader. And they don't yell, they don't raise their voice. They just speak calmly and God and, you know, dissolves the situation and God works through that. Every time, that's a leader. The meek. And that's how God works. He works through the meek. The kingdom of God, yes, does call for aggression at times. It does call for boldness at times, like that. But that's what we're fighting the enemy, not with each other. Meekness is so important to God that when he came to earth as a man to save us, he said in Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Jews and the disciples of Jesus, they wanted him to be an aggressive and angry person and take down the government and overthrow the Romans and overthrow their oppressor and all that. But Jesus came and all the personality traits he could have chosen, of all of the things he could have came to rep could have came as or identified with, he chose meekness. And whenever in Bible calls, whenever we someone would preach or teach about meekness, they would always say meekness is not weakness. And as I hate catchphrases, but as much as I hate it, it's true. As much as I wish we didn't have to have these rhyming things that make us remember we do need this one because we're wired and taught by our society that this is not how it is and it was no different in the ancient um, bible times i was a manager once upon a time and i led i'm not trying to brag but i, I i'm not the most aggressive um, leadership style you may have noticed that i don't yell at you very much Maybe I should a little more, I don't know. But um, that's how I managed um, as well. And my, I had a boss, like the boss of the, the guy who was in charge of all the stores in the, the city. He told me I needed to let them know how it is and yell and put the foot down. And I almost said then I'd be you and no one would want to work for me. Because <laughs> as soon as he came in, everyone got all worked up. I didn't say it. I was like, okay, thanks, yep. <laughs> And just kept doing whatever. And we'd have manager meetings and certain employees' names would come up and everyone would complain about how difficult a time they had with these handful of folks and how hard it was to get them to work. And most of the time, I didn't have the struggle the rest of them did. Um, most of the folks, they just wanted to work for me because I, was, I tried to be nice to them and try to treat them with respect and whatever. I'm not saying I was a perfect manager. I still got complaints. And rebels like everyone else but leading the leading part of the job was a lot easier with a touch of meekness anyway I probably could have used a little more foot down and yelling um, I think of a few instances where I should have but I didn't but but these this guy kept trying to work it out of me because if you're if you're gentle you're seen as weak and uh, you're you're a pushover, or if you're kind in any sort of leadership role, then you're too soft. You you can't lead. You need thicker skin. Suck it up, kid. This is ministry. You gotta be tough. That's what we're told. And meekness is something that we should all strive for. It's something that 
should be produced in our lives? Well, for, for starters, we want to be like Jesus, and he was meek. For seconders, <laughs> that's a thing. Galatians 5 and 22, 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. It's supposed to be produced and it's supposed to be evident in our lives if we have the Holy Ghost working in us. There should be some meekness in us. Okay, so we know that God uses the meek. We know that it's important. We know that Jesus was meek. Moses was meek. We know that it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. So how does this look in our lives? Matthew Henry, um, a little bit commentary on the Bible, he said the meek are those who quietly submit to God, who can bear insult, are silent, or return a soft answer, who in their patience keep possession of their own souls when they can scarcely keep possession of anything else. These meek ones are happy even in this world. Meekness promotes wealth, comfort, and safety even in this world. And another commentator said, one who has the possession of resentment under control and who is therefore tranquil and untroubled, that is someone who is meek. So again, the word meek, um, preus means um, mild and gentle. And uh, the thing with translating from one language to another, I don't know if you've ever tried it, if any of us are here are bilingual or anything, um, there's some things that, there's some words in some languages that there aren't exact words for in others. Um, it's not always easy. And so the word meek, the word that meek comes from preus is kind of like that. It's more weighty than just meek in the English sense. Um, the, the root of it, pray, means more than just meek. So biblical meekness it's not weakness, we already said, but rather uh, it refers to exercising God's strength under his control or demonstrating power without undue harshness. So the English word meek, 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 the English word meek often lacks that sort of nuance to the, that comes from the Greek, this, this gentleness, this harnessed power. So we see someone that's meek and we say, well, They've got no power. But biblical meekness is someone that has power but chooses not to use it in that moment. Have you ever seen a big, tough guy hold a baby? My brother, he's a large fella. Um, I remember the first time he held Annabelle. It looked hilarious to me because he was so big and she was so small. And that's, in a sense, that's sort of meekness. He has all power to this little baby to... You know, all power of the world over, but he harnesses it and controls it and shows gentleness towards the baby. The biblical understanding of meekness is power under control. And so the meek, they aren't uh, a timid, wimpy, hiding in the corner, cowardly lion type of people. They are people who have power, but they have control over that power. You think of Jesus, the only way this makes sense for Jesus to be meek is the only way. All power in heaven and earth are in his name. But yet he allowed himself to be mocked and ridiculed and spit on. He harnessed and controlled that power. He could have, he had the power to raise the dead and open blind eyes and forgive sins. But yet he allowed them to strip him and beat him and crucify him. He could have destroyed them, but he forgave them. That's 
meekness. A meek person doesn't feel the need to show everyone else how strong they are. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Oh, if you're really God, why don't you come down and save yourself? Well, he really was, but he doesn't need to prove that to you right now. That's not what this is about. This is about taking the sins of the entire world. This isn't about making a point because somebody said something. This is about doing what it is I'm supposed to be doing. If Jesus wasn't meek, he would have responded to those calls and those ridicules and mockery. He would have responded and shown them how it was, but instead he didn't. If you feel the need to defend yourself at every turn, to be the loudest person in the room, to feel like you need everyone to know how smart or strong or tough or wise or anointed or called you are, then you need a dose of meekness because that isn't it. Power under God's control means two things. One, it's a refusal to think higher of ourselves. And two, it's a reluctance to defend ourselves. Paul gets it in, um, sorry, Romans, went too far. Romans 12 and 3, he says, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, to think not of himself more highly than he ought to think. This is what we need to do. Not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. And so we have, a, we have a tendency in our heads to think that we're better than we are. Um, we'll often look down on someone for struggling with the very same thing that we struggle with. We'll give ourselves the benefit of the doubt and make excuses for ourselves all day long, but we don't extend the same courtesy to someone else. Maybe it's me, I don't know. We will, if we're not careful, develop the dreaded holier-than-thou attitude where we think we are something special because we've done X, Y, Z, whatever, and... Um, or because we're related to someone, or, or because of whatever thing that we can think of, because I have this gift, or because I can do this, or I can do that. And meekness curbs all that. Meekness stops all that from getting to that place. Meekness doesn't puff itself up. It doesn't put on airs it, for the approval of others. It doesn't try to impress anyone else. Meekness doesn't chase positions or power. Meekness understands the power given by God and submits it back to him. Um, meek people see themselves as servants of God, not thinking more highly of themselves than they ought to think. So to be meek is to accept our strengths and limitations for what they truly are instead of constantly trying to portray ourselves in the best possible light. Do you ever meet someone like that? You've always got to make themselves look better than they are. You tell the story and they've got a better one. Where was I? I'm going to go down that road. A servant's heart is the essence of the second aspect of meekness, reluctance to assert ourselves for ourselves. We exercise power, but for the benefit of all people, not just ourselves. It means we curb our urge to avenge the wrongs done against us and instead use whatever power we have to serve others. It's, very, it's a very challenging thing when someone wrongs you to not want to retaliate. And if you can get to the place where you aren't retaliating, then you're on your way. 
Because that's what Jesus did. Like a lamb led to the slaughter. He didn't fight them. He didn't argue with them. That's part of meekness. It flows from the sorrow of our own weakness that comprises the second beatitude. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. If we feel sorry for our own sins, can we really feel vengeful over the sins of others? So these two, these kind of, those two beatitudes kind of go together. Um, Luke chapter 12, verse 48. It says, But he knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall he be beaten with a few stripes. He that knew not did not and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall he be beaten with a few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. There's this principle here that Jesus gives. He says, if we're given a lot, then a lot is required. If you're given much, then much is required. Meek folks understand that. They are aware of what they've been given by God. They are aware of the grace and the mercy and the love and the kindness and forgiveness and all the other benefits they've received from God and much more is required. Blessed are the meek. Why? For they shall inherit the earth. That is a lot to handle. The earth. There's not much bigger than that. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They've been given much, but there's a price for that. God also doesn't give much to someone who cannot handle it. So he's letting the meek inherit the earth because they can handle it. Right? God needed a meek Moses to lead Israel out of Egypt because a lesser man would have taken it all personally and would have went to his head. Some of us, we do one thing and we need everyone to know about it. People, <laughs> people help out and they got to record it on their phone to get recognition. A man puts a dish in the dishwasher and he wants a reward. Look what I did. I helped. You know, that's not, that's not being meek. Imagine if God had used someone like that to part the Red Sea or to hit the rock and water comes out or to see all those plagues happen. Yikes. It would have been a mess. That's why he had to use a meek man. In fact, God even offered to destroy Israel and start over with Moses once. And Moses said no because he was meek and because he was humble. So why does God use the meek? Because they can be trusted. They're not going to abuse power. They're not going to force their will on someone else. They're not going to lead people down the wrong path. The meek inherit the earth because they can be trusted with it. You don't give someone much if you know they can't handle it. For, under, for unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required. The more given, the more required and requires meekness to keep our heads on straight. Uh, the word inherit comes from the Greek word kleronomio, which means I inherit or obtain, possess by inheritance or to acquire. Universally, it means to receive the portion assigned to one or an allotted portion, receive as one's own or as a possession, become partaker of or of to obtain. Jesus, he was teaching his disciples who were some good old Jewish boys. And they were, the Jews were obsessed with the idea of inheriting the land. If you think of the whole promised land thing, that was the whole thing. 
Inheriting the land. It was an Old Testament phrase and an Old Testament saying, inheriting the land was a sign that someone was blessed or special or chosen. And so by referring to that, Jesus is calling that to the remembrance of their, their fathers in the Old Testament and inferring that there's a special blessing that comes with being meek and something I wasn't aware of or uh, something that hadn't maybe clicked in my brain before studying this out was that with this particular beatitude, it doesn't originate in Matthew chapter 5. It doesn't come from the Sermon on the Mount. This particular beatitude is hundreds of years older than these disciples. In fact, this beatitude they no doubt had heard before because this comes from the book of Psalms. Psalm, chapter, Psalm 37 verse 11 says, But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Psalm, 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 Psalm 37 Psalm 37 um, is a psalm, and the overarching theme of the psalm can be found in verse 1 of Psalm 37. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. So Psalm 37, it's a psalm that's written as a response to the age-old problem of evil. Why do the wicked prosper and why do the good suffer? That old nugget. That's what Psalm 37 is written for. Often our response to injustice, like seeing the wicked prosper, is either to complain about it or to cause a scene and try to fix everything. But the meek approach is to just let God work and let God lead. And interestingly enough, in Psalm 37, which Matthew 5 and 5 quotes, refers to inheriting the land or the earth five different times. So when Jesus says this, the meek will inherit the earth, no doubt this stirs up memories in his disciples. They're familiar with the Psalms. They're familiar with this phrase. And if you look at each instance, you can see a theme emerging that very much applies to the meek. Because if Jesus says the meek are blessed because they are inheriting the earth, then all these other in instances about inheriting the earth must apply to the meek because they're the same people. right? All these, does that make sense? We're talking about like one person, and they're inheriting the earth, so all these other qualities should apply to that person. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So Psalm 37 and 9, it says, For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. The inheritors of the earth, they can wait on God. They don't try to force or to rush God. They are patient. They wait on Him. The meek, as we've seen, the meek are also patient. They don't think themselves higher than any than others. What is the main issue when we're waiting for someone that causes us to get upset? Well, it's annoying. Why? Because, because we want something now. I, I want it now. We're supposed to have the meeting now. My time is valuable, and I don't want to waste it waiting for someone else to show up. It's about me, right? It's an inconvenience to me. I want my food now. I'm hungry now. I want the door open now. I want these things to happen now. But the meek say, God, you have your way. You open the door. I'm not the big deal here. You are. I'll just wait. Just like the poor in spirit, just like the humble. 
The meek know how to wait because it isn't all about me. And I've learned to deal with that. I may have the power to make someone feel guilty because meekness, again, is power, right? Under control. I may have the power to make someone feel guilty or bad because I had to wait, but I will forego that power and I will patiently wait. I may have all the reasons to be impatient and take that in on God and get upset and angry with him for whatever reason. I can justify that all day long if I want. But meekness says, no, I'm not going to act on that. Instead, I will wait on God. The next time it's mentioned is this one. The meek shall inherit the earth. They shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. We're kind of covering that now, so we'll skip that. Verse um, 22 says, For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they uh, that be cursed of him shall be cut off. So those who are blessed by God, they shall inherit the earth. This goes along with what we're talking about. The meek, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Um, we know the meek are blessed because Jesus told us so, so that makes sense. Verse 29, the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. So the righteous, they also inherit the land. The righteous is someone who is just, lawful, someone who follows God as word. Being meek and being righteous go together. Being righteous is obeying God and doing what he asks, not what we want. David, um, the writer of Psalm 37, he ties it all up with this. Verse 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way. And he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. So wait on the Lord and keep his way. He shall exalt thee to inherit the land. To inherit the land, you need to wait on the Lord. Again, we already covered that. Be patient. Keep his way. That's being righteous again. This, we get a picture of what meekness looks like. Patience and obedience, standing for what is right, never pushing for our own agenda. Think of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will but thine be done. Let this cup pass from me, but if not, Psalm 37 again deals with us worrying about evil and evil people prospering and good people seemingly being punished, which is often the way things look in the natural, but again, like we said in past lessons and things, this is what Jesus was dealing with here in the Beatitudes. These are, this isn't how things are. They might look like this, but this isn't how it is. Taking um, people we would not see as blessed and saying they are in fact blessed. This is what he's doing here. So what we need to do with that question, if you want to know about what you need to do about why the evil are whatever. Why are good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? Did I get that right? Why are the good being punished and the blessed the bad? The bad being blessed or whatever. Psalm 37 and 5 it says, Commit that way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. That's all we can do. Commit our way to him, trust in him, and he'll bring it to pass. We talk. Just trust him, let him lead, he'll take care of it and stop worrying. I know that's not the answer you wanted, but that's the answer the Bible gives us. So I'm going to end with this. James chapter 1. That's not the right one. Go the wrong way. James chapter 1, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. This is the English standard. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of this man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Uh, we talk a lot about following God, about trusting him. 
like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and Psalm 37 and 5 that we just read say, uh, but you cannot do that without being meek. Receive with meekness, he says, the implanted word, the word that gets down in your heart, the word that doesn't leave, the word that is able to save your soul. You have to receive the word of God with meekness because the meek are teachable. The proud aren't. The arrogant aren't. The meek are teachable. You cannot be led by someone unless you are willing to submit to them and where it is that they want to take you. And that's meekness. I'm going to end with a story. I traveled with a guy once. Both of us had flown overseas in the past and had some experience in airports. Neither one of us are seasoned travelers. I don't travel as much Maybe I'd like to. Um, but we both had a trip or two. Myself, I, I've been on more recent trips than he had. Um, there are three types of people in the world. Those who can count and those who can't. And there are three, types of, three other types of people in the world. Those who wear glasses, those who do not wear glasses, and those who should wear glasses. Right? <laughs> I'm in the first group. My friend was in the third. He should wear glasses. He needed them. In fact, he had them with him in his bag. But for whatever reason, he would not put them on his face. I don't know if he thought he looked ridiculous. I don't know. He just wouldn't do it. Have you ever been to an airport? Um, they have these boards set up. Departure arrivals. You know what I'm saying? And which let you know which area or gate, whatever you need to go for your flight. So they let you know if your flights are delayed, flight coming in is delayed, how many minutes? If your flight taken off is delayed, how many minutes and whatever. And they're scattered all throughout the airport, just like every kind of main intersection of the airport, they have these things. And they just kind of cycle through all the different flights. And they let you know all, the, all, all you need to know, really. When you have a longer flight with connections, sometimes all you have is your flight number. So if you're flying to Africa or you're making a connecting flight in Europe or something that's like you know, 12 hours after you, you leave, um, they don't know where all the planes are going to be, so they just give you the flight number, and then you've got to kind of find out where it is by looking at the board. Um, so you kind of just go to the corresponding gate, and that's how you, that's how you get where you're going. Um, <clears throat> we were in a, a large airport somewhere on a continent, and I found the flight that we needed on the board. And my friend, he could not read the board without his glasses. And so I says to the guy, I says, we need to go down this way to such and such a gate. I can't remember the number such and such a gate, because that's where our flight is, and it's going to leave in whatever, however long it was, a couple hours. Because I got these guys, and I could read the board. And my friend, he argues with me. and says, no, I think it's down this way. Why? I have no idea. Why? I have no idea. There was no signs that implied our gate was that way. There was no reason for him to think that it was down that way, and I was like, it's right there on the board, flight 
seven, I don't know, whatever it was, right there on the board, flight 743, that's right there on the board. Look, that's our flight number, that's the gate. See, it says gate number, and that's our gate number. And you look over here, there's a sign that says gate numbers this to this. We're in the middle of that, so that's where we need to go. Anyways, he kept arguing with me. No, I think we should ask someone. No, it's not, we should ask somebody. So we find some lady, and I'm like, why do we need to ask someone? Just put your glasses on. I can read, I can see. <sighs> so we asked someone. And long story short, I was right. The staff member told him so. Then he pretended like I had never suggested that. Oh yeah, she says we gotta go down this way. So, oh really? Guess we'll go this way because some Filipino airport worker told you. She could have lied to you too. I don't know. It's terrible. My friend had just exhibited a measure of meekness. Instead of pride. And he would have allowed me to lead him where it was that we needed to go because he, because he would have put on his glasses, he could not see which way to go. He, did, he could not, for the life of him, figure it out. Which, he would have went the wrong way if he could have just showed a measure of meekness and allowed me to lead him. We would have got there. I wouldn't have this story. But instead, he had to do it on his own, and he had to ask others instead of listening to me. And that is often how we can be with God. He's trying to lead us. He's trying to call us down this hallway over here, but we're too busy arguing. Oh, I think I need to go this way. I think I need to go. No, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm going to go this way. We're too busy arguing and submitting, and we got to ask someone else. Well, what do you think I should do? What do you think? Where should I go? Follow him. And if we would just submit to him and just show a measure of meekness, he could actually lead us. Meekness is what? Having the strength or power and exercising control over that. We have the strength and the power to do whatever it is that we want to do. But in order to be meek, we need to control that and say, Jesus, you lead. Jesus, whatever it is you want to do, you lead. You show me where to go. I'll follow you. That's being meek. Matthew 5 and 5. Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. Anything that we need, whatever it is, it's available to the meek. The earth. That's pretty big. Whatever you need. Whatever your physical need is, I bet it's in the earth. And he can meet that need. If we allow ourselves to be led by him, we allow... We give up that right, that power to make the decisions, and we show a little bit of meekness and let him lead us. Everything belongs to God. It's all his, and it's available to those who are meek and follow him. Does that make sense? The meek shall inherit the earth. It took a long way to get there. All right. If you ever go on a trip with me, bring your glasses. Let's stand. We're going to pray. Hope that made some sort of sense. Maybe we learned something. At least about airports, maybe. 
Let's pray together one more time.